thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. It's a good morning, and uh, so I'll be up here for a few minutes, and then after I'm up here, um, Danny will say a prayer, and then I believe... Is there a song in between? No. Then Matthew come up, and we're splitting this, this lesson as we're talking about families. We're talking about, again, we just sung the song, Seek First the Kingdom of God. And that's going to be a big focus, especially on, on what I'll be talking about. Now, I'll, specific, I'll be talking to our kids, our teenagers and our little children. But if you're not a kid, our teenager or little child, this is still for you. So don't tune out. Don't think, oh, I don't have to listen to this. This is still going to be very beneficial to you as we talk about the importance of seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 tells us that, where Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, basically me. Seek first things that are above. That's sometimes real hard because we like to live our lives the way we want to live them. There are things that interest us. There are things that we think are important and Jesus here telling, talking to one of the, uh, his Sermon on the Mount, he's saying the most important thing is me. And I don't want anyone here, especially our children, to forget that. That the most important thing we can do is to serve him. And sometimes we forget that along the way. Sometimes we think it's all about serving self. Maybe we think it's about serving an idea. Maybe it's serving a job. Maybe it's fill in the blank what we serve. But the most important thing, and really the only thing we should think about serving is, is God, his kingdom, and his people. And if anything gets in the way of that, then it needs to be out of our lives. But it's, it brings up this point, and I was talking to a friend years ago, struggling about involvement, struggling with how can we encourage people to get excited. And he said there's the difference between doing good things and doing great things. And that's part of, so we have these different ways we can seek first the kingdom of God. And the first way is to understand the difference between good things and great things. There are things that are good to do. There are things that build up character. There are things to be good, that they're good to be involved in. But sometimes those good things can get in the way of doing great things. And what are the great things? Kingdom work. Now, can we do good things while doing great things? Absolutely. Can I be involved in some type of activity and still serve God? Absolutely. But can I do things and then neglect to serve God? Absolutely. I can be involved with a group of friends. I can be involved in work. I can be involved in the community. But if I hide my Christianity, then I'm just doing maybe a secularly good thing. Thing that's not really harmful. Is it harmful to be involved? Well, of course not. Is it harmful to build up character by doing certain activities? Absolutely not. But if I hide my Christianity, if I hide Christ, who I'm supposed to be serving, then it's really all meaningless. It, it's all being done in vain. As we just read, it says, if the laborers who build a house don't consider the Lord, it's being, it's being built in vain. Is, is there, will there not be a house? Well, no, there's still going to be a house. <laughs> but it's just going to be done in vain. It's not going to really matter. So there are things that we can do that are, aren't awful, but if we leave out God, then it becomes absolutely meaningless. And this is probably, I have written down, this is one of the hardest questions we have to ask ourselves. Am I spending 
too much time doing good things when I could be doing great things. And maybe that looks like while I'm doing things that I'm already involved with, maybe it's for our kids, extracurricular activities, maybe it's a job for adults, obviously it's job, or maybe some community service, some community effort that we're in. Can I do those things and then, of course, use my advantage or maybe use my situation to talk about Jesus? Absolutely. And that's part of doing those great things. And that's where it leads into this next, this next point of the second thing, seeking God first, seeing the kingdom of God first really is about, is growing where we're planted. That's one that's also taken a while for me to get used to, is growing where you're planted, using where I am to influence the people that are around me, using what I'm already good at and growing right there where I am. For our students, you're, you're at school. You have no choice to go to school. I'm sorry, you may hate that. You have no choice to go to school. But choose to grow where you're planted. You're in a situation Grow where you are, but grow in Christ first. Again, the difference between doing good things and doing great things. And as we're talking about growth, um, I've finally got back into uh, growing. Uh, I like to grow hot peppers. And uh, so I bought some hot peppers. And then yesterday, um, Catherine, I talked about she wanted to grow some flowers. So we were in Birmingham. We actually ran into Haley Dobbs at Collier's. Is that how you pronounce it? In Birmingham. We went all the way to Birmingham just to pick flowers. No, I'm kidding. We went to Birmingham because I had to pick up a computer that was getting fixed. And then we ran, you know, we decided while we're here, let's go look around at some nurseries. And I really like the, what's all in the process of, of growing plants sometimes, because it, it, it shows the importance again of growing where you're planted. Is it a good idea to keep uprooting a plant and replanting it, uprooting and replanting? Well, no, it's going to be eventually harmful to your, to the roots because a good plant needs good, strong roots. Well, we need good, strong roots as children of God. And that comes from, one, doing great things, seeking first the kingdom of God and, and everything that goes along with that. But that also means we have to then decide, I'm going to grow right where I am, and I'm going to grow in Christ. But I'm also going to make sure that as I grow out, but I also grow deeper in, the, in, the, in Christ. I grow deeper in the word of God. I grow deeper in who I am. I get deeper relationships. And as I have deeper relationships, I can influence them to, to broader spectrums. And I can have those conversations with them about Jesus. And, and I'm reminded of all these passages, you know, really in John 14. There's two of them. John 14, verse 12, when Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So he's saying, if you really believe in me, you're going to do what I'm doing. If you really believe in me, you're going to grow, and you're going to grow in Christ. If you really believe in me, you're going to keep doing all these good things. And then just a few verses later, in this same conversation, he says this one, and if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You can claim to love Jesus. You can claim to believe in Jesus, but Jesus says the indicators, if you believe in me, is if you're doing what I'm doing and you do the things that I do. And if you love me, an indicator of that is if you keep my commandments, if you follow me. All part of having strong roots. Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17 said this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, 
for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. See, if we have a strong root system, if we grow where we're planted, grow in the Lord, and then just like the psalm we just read, when we consider the Lord and all our plans, because we're like that tree planted by water. Now, here's, here's the good news. No matter where you are, if you plant yourself in the word of God, you're being planted by water. You can say, well, how do I know if I'm being planted by water if I'm not maybe in a good situation? Well, you can grow wherever you are as long as you decide from now on my foundation is going to be Christ. And I'm going to grow in my situation, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's in the community. I can influence the people around me. I can grow. I can grow in strength. I can grow in the Lord as long as, again, I'm planted by water. And it sends out its roots by the stream. And then what happens? I don't have to fear anymore. I don't have the fear of running out of nutrients. I don't have the fear whenever persecution comes, that heat comes, when tribulations come, because my leaves will always remain green. I'll, be, I'll remain strong. I'll remain healthy. And then I don't have to worry when things don't go my way. I don't have to get anxious in a year of drought because I'll still produce good fruit. As long as what? I'm planted in the word of God and I'm planted in seeking first the kingdom of God. And see, this is not always going to be super easy. Galatians 6, my friends have a, 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 a podcast I listen to um, called Behind the Beards. And they pull back, I guess, behind the man of the minister and show like the real life struggles. And they always close their podcast with this verse. Because they say, hey, we know it's not easy living the life of a Christian. And Paul knew that too. God knows that. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It's going to be hard when we seek first the kingdom of God. Because there's so many distractions. There's so many things that we want to do. There's so many things that maybe we think we should do that God says don't do. There's some, maybe some things that we feel like we have the freedom to do that God hasn't given us the freedom to do. And maybe there's some things that God says to do that we just really don't want to do. <laughs> and part of that is seeking first, doing great things rather than just good things, growing where we're planted, not growing weary of doing good. And then the last thing that I want to say is part of this seeking first the kingdom of God is recognizing our sphere of influence. For uh, our, our adults, obviously, you, you, you have your coworkers you work with. Uh, you have your people in the community that, that, you, that you interact with. Our young people, you have a greater influence than you really realize. Uh, you may say, well, who, who do I have to influence? Well, again, like I said, you're forced to go to school, but you, you have lots of schoolmates. You have all your teachers. You have the adults who are watching you, whether or not, you know, you realize it or not. You have this massive amount of influence. And the truth is, the more and more children we have, the greater the younger, quote, generation gets. And as, you know, as the life cycle goes, as the older generation ages, the, the more they end up passing away. So the, the young generation has such a, a wide range of ages, but you also have that much wide range of influence among your peers, among your people, just based off of demographics and, and life cycles. So sometimes we say, I don't know if I have people to influence. Well, no, your peers are who you can influence. And maybe you're involved in so many things. And for our, I said, for our adults, you also have a sphere of influence. You have people who are around you. And I want to say this to you. Let your light shine. Don't hide who you are. You know, we sing that little children's song, This Little Light of Mine. 
but do we really mean it? When we sing it, do we actually mean I'm going to let this shine all the time? As the song says, what, hide it, in a, hide it under a bushel? What? No. Don't hide your light whenever you're around certain people, certain influences. Matthew 5 says this, you are the light of the world. Jesus is talking again on the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. He says, hey, when a city is set on the hill, and by the way, he's basically saying, you're that city. He says, you can't hide that city. If you've ever been driving in the middle of nowhere, you can see light miles away, the light pollution. You can see the light coming from far away because the more lights there are in a city, the, the, that light circle spreads out for miles, saying you can't hide a light on a, a city on a hill. And this light in a, in, a, in a house gives light to all who are in the house, and then he makes that connection. And he says, in the same way, just like the, a city on a hill, just like a lamp in a house, he says, in that same way, let your light shine before others so that it may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Never hide your light. As we continue throughout this, this service talking about seeking first the kingdom of God, and as we talk about families, and we talk about our children, and then moving into our parents, and then moving into our church, never hide your light. Let your light shine bright, and remember that everyone here has more influence than you realize. Our adults, our children, our teenagers, even our babies. To see the wonder in the eyes of a baby, to see, the, to see life through their eyes, where they're realizing how beautiful God's creation really is. We can learn from everyone. We can be influenced by everyone. Never let your light hide. So this morning, my words to you is seek first the kingdom of God, just like Jesus said. Seek first his kingdom by doing great things, by growing where you're planted, and by letting your light shine. We'll have Danny come say a prayer now for us. Most kind and loving Father, we just thank you so much for the beautiful day that you've blessed us with today. And for this privilege we have to come together together like this to, to worship you. We're also thankful that we are here today to encourage our, our young families and our young parents. Father, we just pray that we can encourage them as they bring their young babies up and uh, that they will one day uh, become strong, dedicated Christians as well. That they'll be the kind, the parents, uh, the kind of examples for them that they, they will grow up to be strong Christians. Father, we just pray that we, we can encourage each other. That, that we can all grow together and that we can all be strong Christians for you and be the kind of examples that you'd have us to be. Father, just continue to be with us and be with the church here and be with each member. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Continuing along this line and idea of seek first the kingdom, I want to challenge our parents for a few moments this morning to talk about some things um, we actually, it, it kind of worked out in the class that we're having upstairs in our young adult class. Uh, we're, we're going through a book on marriage, and the next to last chapter in this book is on uh, raising your children. And then we, the dynamic in that class um, of the 15 or so that were in that class this morning, only, what, maybe five of us are actually parents, and the rest of them are starting to get married or married, fixing to have kids, looking at having kids. And so it was it was kind of interesting to teach a parenting class to a class of people who don't have kids. 
And, and, but it really just kind of worked out because parenting is one of those things that just like marriage, that I believe the earlier you begin to kind of contemplate and think about how important parenting is, uh, the better of a parent you're going to be. But in the book uh, that we're going through, we didn't talk about this in class, guys, because we're going to, I wanted to mention it here, is uh, the author says, you need to ask yourself a question. Would you be more disappointed if when your kids are grown, would you be more disappointed in the fact that they didn't love you or if they didn't love Jesus? Think about that question for a second. Would you be more disappointed in your children if they didn't love you or if they didn't love Jesus? And I think that that's a tough question to, to answer because I think the automatic answer is, oh, I want them to love Jesus, right? But if I want them to love Jesus, I'm going to have to raise them in a way that makes them, you know, push in that direction. But part of them loving Jesus, what does Jesus say? You can't follow me unless you what? Hate who? Your parents your mother and your father. He says, your love for me, baby, and I think what he's saying is your love for me has to be so great that there's nothing that even compares to it. So parenting is, is a challenging thing uh, just in general, and then parenting in the direction of the kingdom is even more challenging. So I, I want to, to kind of pigtail there right off of what Jonathan says and keep this idea of seek first the kingdom. Our culture the, the world that we live in has the ability to keep us, fo- keep us focused on so many things. And so if we're focused in a lot of different directions, really, are we focused on anything? Not really, right? If we're focused over here and over here and over here and in this direction and that direction, if we're focused on 15 different things, what are we really focusing on? Nothing. We are, our, our attention is drawn in a lot of different directions, but we are not really focused in any particular direction. And the world is good at doing that to us, and Satan wants us to be that way. Because if we are focused in all of these different directions, then guess what? We're not able to focus, or he says, to seek first the kingdom of God. For those of you uh, who, are, who are families this morning, let me ask you a question. How many of you already know how, how many of you are looking into the week ahead and you're already saying, boy, I'm busy? How many of you are looking at the week ahead and you go, man, I'm busy? And how many of you know that in the middle of that busyness, there are going to be other things that creep up, that come up, and that take away from other things that you kind of had planned? We are so busy. And part of seeking first the kingdom is getting rid of distractions. It's, it's simplifying things. So um, what, what happens, though, in our life when we don't make it a goal to seek first the kingdom of God as parents? I want you to flip to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. We'll look at a couple of verses here. But in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua's basically kind of saying his farewell as the leader of Israel. And he's going through this thing about, you know, what God has done for us, all the great things. Uh, there's the covenant renewal that goes on right here. But then in verse 14, he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. What does he say? Get rid of all the distractions. Make it. You're going to do this. I'm going to seek first the kingdom. And to do that, the first thing I'm going to do, Joshua says, the first thing we need to do as a nation is get rid of the distractions. Get rid of all these things that pull us away from God. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable, undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, who they served beyond the Euphrates, or the god of the Amorites, 
in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, finish this with me, we will serve the Lord. And I love that thought there. We, we, we love to hold on to, we will, you know, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's, that's, the, that's the part of that verse that gets mounted in the house, right? But the decision comes before that. Why does he say, he says, make up your mind. Make up your mind. Don't be wishy-washy about this. Jesus calls it lukewarm. Don't be cold. And you know, he said, I'd rather you be cold or hot, not just lukewarm right there in the middle. Parents, that's the challenge that I give you this morning is what are you going to be? Are you going to be someone who says, hey, distractions rule my life and I'm going to raise my kids in the midst of this distraction, focusing on 15,000 things? Or are you going to say, hey, me and my house, we are going to seek first the kingdom of God. See, there's a price that we pay. There's a price that we pay that if we choose not to seek first the kingdom of God, flip over to the book of Judges, just a page over, starting in verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. See if I can find it myself. It's not chapter 1. It's chapter 2. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites... Uh, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him uh, and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. So that generation, they said, what? We're going to serve who? We're going to serve God. And something happened. They chose to serve God, but this is Matthew's commentary here, but they chose not to raise their children in that direction. Because the next kind of verses here say, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. We have to make it a goal that says, I'm going to lay a foundation in my home as a parent to seek first the kingdom of God so that when I'm gone, that the generation that comes up behind me, they don't do evil in the eyes of the Lord. They stay in the direction of God. They know his good works. They know his good deeds. So how do we do that? Let me give you a few simple thoughts here. First, lay a simple foundation of prayer in your homes. Lay a simple foundation of prayer in your homes, whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with your kids, or just as an individual. Actually, in all of those areas, make prayer something that is common in your home. Make talking to God something that your kids are used to seeing you do, but they're also used to doing with you. It, it, it really warms my heart that, that my kids, we don't go anywhere and sit down for the most part to eat, that one of them doesn't say, hey, we need to say a prayer. And I'm going to be honest with you. That was not something that we did growing up out in public. It was not a big thing. So it's, 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 it's something that at times that I forget about or I, I don't make. But it makes me happy that to my kids, that's something that they know needs to be done. They feel that it needs to be done. And it even catches me, you know, with a mouthful of mashed potatoes on a Sunday morning, you know. And then hearing one of them pray. And, and it's, it's really, it's, it's a lot of fun listening to Vance pray in those moments because Vance likes to pray for everybody at the table. And he'll start with mom, dad, and go. And then if he doesn't know you, he'll just go, and everybody else at the table, God. 
but he wants to pray for you. We need to raise our kids to be that way. The second thing is this. Parents, make times of worship non-negotiable. Let them see you worshiping and let them see you understanding that this time together is a priority. It doesn't matter what happens Saturday night. It doesn't matter how late you were staying up. Make this time a priority. As a matter of fact, this would be my challenge to you as parents and for everybody. I don't think just going to church is, is the standard. That if, you, if, you're, if you're at church, everything's great. There's so much more about your Christian life that has to be lived outside those doors that has a lot less to do here. But what is involved here is very important, okay? So here's my challenge. There are four hours built into our schedule every week to be together. Four. Say that with me. Four. How many hours? Four. Some of you eat more than that through the week, okay? Spend more time eating through that, that amount of time. Four hours. What if you said, as a part of seeking first the kingdom of God, we're going to make those four hours non-negotiable? We're going to be there. We're going to be there with our brothers and sisters. We're going to fellowship with each other. We're going to encourage one another. As Hebrews 10 said, Hebrews 10 says that's the whole point of being together, right? I mean, it's about worshiping God. But, but Hebrews says one of the big points of being together is the encouragement that I get from you and that you get from me. And if we're not here, where are we getting that encouragement? Well, for many of us, we're not. We're not getting it to the fullest effect. So parents, make Make this an important thing in your life. The, the last thing, parents, that I want to give you the, the courage and, and the challenge to do is lean in on your church family. Let's go to that Hebrews 10 passage. I, I want you to read that with me. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24. It's really just 24 and 25. There's a lot of things he's talked about up to this to this point, but in verse 24, he says, and let us consider how we may spur one, or one another on towards love and good deeds. How and where? By not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, parenting is hard. Okay. Parenting is hard. Parenting is tired. Um, Alex was kind of mentioning him kind of being a little bit, I told him this morning, I said, there's no greater tired than first month with a newborn tired. How many of you would agree with that? That is one of the, <laughs> we got some right, right up in the middle of it right now, right? There is no greater tired than first month at home, newborn tired. And what, what I read one time is they said, your sleep cycle is interrupted for five years from, from the time you have a child till they turn five, it takes five years for you as an adult to refine, to relearn that, that, that sleep cycle in your own life. And then you have someone like me who just keeps having kids and you never get to that point. And so we are now two years into our last five-year swing. So in three years, I will finally get, I was telling Blair, like uh, we're, we're nearly 12 years into this thing and I don't think I've had six months of real sleep total in the last 12 years. It's hard. It's challenging. There's, there's things that come up. Let me, let me ask you to do this. Let me ask you to do this this morning. If you have raised kids and your kids are now adults, raise your hand. 
parents of young kids, look at these hands. These people know what you're going through. They know the struggles you're having. They understand how you feel when, your ki- when you feel like your child is the only one screaming in worship service. They understand the struggles of trying to get homework done and trying to get to the baseball field and trying to get supper finished. They understand the struggles of trying to find balance between work and home and family and providing. Lean in to these people. They have so much to offer. They are here to encourage you, to carry you. Uh, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in these ways you will fulfill the law of Christ. Allow these people to carry you when you need them to carry you. Now, let's shift gears and talk to our church family as a whole this morning. Why are we doing this today? Why are we having a family first Sunday and, and acknowledging these children and these parents and encouraging them? I'm going to tell you something. I have been a part of a church before where they didn't love kids. They didn't love kids. And the question was asked, why? Why don't we grow? Why can't we grow? Well, you don't grow because you don't love kids. If kids are a burden and a hindrance to a church, are families ever going to want to show up with their kids? No, not at all. And it was a very sad kind of environment to be in to where when you got together, you knew that um, children were going to be a burden. So, so at this particular location, when we first started in their fellowship hall, they had like a kid corral over here, which was a really kind of cool thing. It was, you know, a half wall. The kids could go in there and play and they couldn't get out. Well, they remodeled all of that. And instead of like really working in the kids corral, they made like a kid's closet that you could actually shut the kids in there and they wouldn't interrupt what the adults were doing. Like that was the real feeling behind it. They wouldn't interrupt what the adults were doing. And um, that church has not seen the growth that they want, that they, that they long for because of that. Um, so how, how, how can we encourage you this morning? Well, go to Mark chapter 10. As a church, what do we need to focus on? Mark chapter 10. Jesus talks about a lot of things. Mark chapter 10 is a very important one, starting in verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples, here we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the Messiah protectors, right? They're trying to keep people from getting to Jesus. They're trying to protect Jesus from all these people around him. The disciples, the disciples were keeping them away. I lost my spot here. The disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He was so mad. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter in. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. That is our That is how we're supposed to be as a church. We are to be a church that opens our arms to children and says, come in and be a part of this family. To our children, to our students, I want you to know this morning that you are part of this family. Not a subset of this family, not a side group. You are part of this family, and we need to be that type of people. So, so how do we become that type of people? Number one, again, parents, if you've raised your kids and they're all grown and going, raise your hands again. If you've raised your kids and they're grown and going, raise your hands again. Okay, let me, let me tell you a funny statement. 
You can put them down, but I'm talking to you for just a second. Remember what it was like to raise kids. Remember what it was like to raise kids. This is my favorite statement I hear from former raising kid parents. My kids never did that. Your kids did it. You just forgot that they did it. Remember what it was like to raise kids. Remember what it was like and look at these couples and these families and be willing to jump in there with them and say, hey, do you need help? Can I help you? Can I hold your child during church? Can I, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I come to the ball game with you and help, you know, whatever it might be. Remember the struggle it was to raise kids and try to do something to help alleviate that struggle with someone else. Find ways to help and encourage these parents. So Titus chapter two, we're not going to read it because we're running out of time. Titus chapter two, he says, hey, older, older ladies, older men, he goes, find ways to, to help these, up, these younger people disciple, pour into. And what I love about that verse is he doesn't, the, the verse doesn't read like this. It doesn't read if they will let you reach out to them. The verse reads this way, just go do it. Just go do it. Okay, so there's this idea as you're looking at these young families that are sitting around us this morning, look at them and make up your mind, I'm going to be a help in their life. I'm going to reach out to them. Don't wait for them to ask you for help. Don't wait for them to accept your help. Just go do it. Just be involved in their lives and they will love you for it. And then an encouragement that I want to give you because something was said to me last, well, it's been a few weeks ago now, but um, one, of our, one of our members came up and was talking about a ministry opportunity that had been presented to her and that she wanted us as a church to be a part of. And it was a ministry opportunity that was very much focused on um, retired individuals within our community. And she said, I know that our main focus right now is young families, but do you think there's a place for this to fit? And, and, and I want you to all to understand something this morning because that statement really has, has stuck with me and has made me think about some things. And I want to say this, understand that just because we're making an effort to love young couples and young families and create an environment that they want to be a part of, doesn't mean that we don't love and appreciate you if you're not in that phase of life. If your kids are gone and you're an older member of this congregation, you're a senior member or you're an empty nester or whatever it may be, just because you're not in this young family phase in your life, please don't misunderstand our, our effort to try to grab that group and pull them in as meaning we don't love you and we don't care for you because we are here today because of what you have done to prepare us for this moment. And we appreciate you and we love you and we need you and these families need you. And without you, there would be no Ninth Avenue Church of Christ today for us to become a church that loves and welcomes families. And we are grateful for you. We don't ever want you to feel like the Luke 15 brother of, hey, hey, look at me. I've been here the whole time. Don't forget about me. We don't want you to feel that way because we know you, we love you, and we appreciate you. That brings us to the end of our time together this morning. Um, after we finish up here this morning, we want you to join us for our fellowship meal. And we're going to have a slideshow and a video and a presentation for these, these little children. And we want everybody to come and be a part of that. But let's close our, our time of 
worship with a prayer here. God, we thank you so much for giving us a chance to be in your presence today as the family of God, as older brothers and younger brothers and older sisters and younger sisters, God, we are just so grateful to be here. And we thank you for the legacy uh, that is the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. And we thank you for those that have um, worked so hard to lay the foundation and to build up this church to what it is today, God. And we are so grateful for that, but we are also excited to look into the future at what uh, this church will continue to be and grow to be in your name for years to come. God, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for his willingness to accept children, to accept sinners, um, to just accept everybody to come and say, hey, I'm here for you. And God, as we look at our life and as we think about our life, we pray that we examine ourselves, that we allow your Holy Spirit to convict us, to challenge us, and to help us walk in a path that brings us closer to you. We just thank you for our time this morning, God. May we continue to bring glory and praise to you, not just in this room, but in the lives that we live every single day. We are grateful for Jesus' sacrifice. Help us to never forget it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, We'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again and until then, remember, we are a church of Christ caring for its community.